is Your Working Life, a podcast with tools, inspiration, and resources to help you enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Anise Cavanaugh to the show. Anise, welcome to the show. Hi, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm really excited to dive into a juicy conversation. You are an extraordinary professional and a prolific writer, and there's so many things for us to talk about. But today, I want to focus on one of your books called Contagious Culture, Show Up, Set the Tone, and Intentionally Create an Organization that Thrives. So talk to me about contagious. How can a leader or anyone be contagious? <laughs> oh, I love it that we're starting here. So I, I believe, and, and I think anybody listening to this has had the experience of walking into a room and uh, the room either feels great or the room feels terrible. And it is very, very easy to match whatever's going on in that room. So this could be a room full of people. This could be a conversation. This could be anything. The ultimate theory is that we walk around and we are contagious and that contagiousness is always for good or for bad, or it's beige. So we can bring the energy up in a room or we can sink the energy just by the way that we show up and set the tone. You know, that's such a simple and beautiful way to describe it. Thank you for that. And and I agree completely. You talk and write so beautifully about intention and what that means and how we can practice that. So give us a glimpse of, of how we can be more intentional and put that into practice in our professional lives. Absolutely. So I created a methodology called the IEP method to support us in being more positively contagious. And IEP stands for intentional energetic presence. And that basically is exactly what it sounds like, which is being intentional about the energetic presence we bring to everything we do, whether we're talking to a, a colleague, whether we're presenting, whether we're in a conversation like you and I are having right now, whether we're sitting with our child and having a really serious conversation, it's just being intentional about how we show up. And in the methodology to break it down really quickly, there's three different components that I invite people to look at to support them. And the first is their ability to reboot their presence in the moment. So to stop and be aware, just being present of how they're showing up and being able to reboot so that they can show up in the way that they'd like to. The second component is their ability to create a strong energetic foundation so that they have more resiliency to show up in the way that they want to. And then the third component is the ability to create intentional impact. And so if you dig into the methodology and Caroline, I'm happy to go as far into it as you'd like. But if you dig into that methodology, what it basically helps people do is make their intentions incredibly real, their energy and how they're showing up and what the energy is that they're projecting uh, much more easily manageable. And then their presence, the quality of presence as a leader, that much more powerful. We put those three things together and, and that's what happens. So. Anise, you and I uh, just got to know each other a little bit better before the podcast today, and your energy is palpable. It's compelling and charismatic, and I truly agree with you that that energetic presence is such an important part of what someone brings to the table. How do they tap that? How do they find it? I'd love to hear your wisdom on that. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for that feedback. That means I'm having my intended impact authentically. So I appreciate that. And the um, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what I do to set myself up personally. And this is something that we have our students and clients and program participants doing what I talk about in my books. 
is I, so before this call, for example, I gave myself the gift of five minutes to sit down, get really quiet, to do a quick, what I call a presence reboot, and to just think about you, Caroline, and your audience, and what was my intention for this conversation. So, and the intention is looking at, you know, how do I want to contribute? How would I like to show up? How do I want to feel? How do I want people listening to this to feel? And by just setting that intention and setting my own space up. So for example, I've got water uh, right next to me. My desk is cleared off. My office is uh, clear of any distractions so that I can be fully present and not have my energy being weighed down by anything that's getting in the way. Um, you know, just by setting that intention and then making sure I'm taking really good care of myself, that enables me to be 100% present with you right now and focused on whatever comes up in this conversation. And so that clears me up so that I can have really clean energy coming in. I love it. And I'm grateful too that you you call it a gift because it is. It's a gift that we can give ourselves each and every day, which is a good segue because you truly believe that self-care isn't just a buzz phrase. It really matters. And I join you on that mission because so many people sacrifice or self-sabotage their own self-care and it's it's part of self-preservation. So I'm going to give you the floor to speak on that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, okay. So I actually started in my back background is in kinesiology. I used to work with athletes. I worked in the wellness industry for many years. I worked in preventative healthcare, uh, did all of that. And you know, it's a very long story of how I got to this point. But basically, I integrated uh, the self-care component and really taking care of your energy into traditional leadership and culture and all these, all these business initiatives that people tend to put on uh, the front burners, the most important things. And what I found many, many years ago was that it did not matter how brilliant a leader was, how many skills they had, their degrees, their results that they were getting. It didn't matter if they weren't taking really great care of themselves, because what would ultimately happen is they'd be out there leading, but then they'd be burning out or their relationships would be falling apart or they'd be bringing energy into the room that was kind of exhausting. And that is not a compelling place to lead from. And so, you know, for my entire career, this entire body of work is built upon this idea of we have to take care of ourselves as leaders in order to show up as beautifully as possible for those that we love and we lead. And it's very similar to, you know, when you go on an airplane and they, uh, the, the flight attendants, they tell you, you know, if the masks, you know, God forbid we start to go down, you know, the masks are going to drop out. Please put your mask on yourself first before you even put it on your child, because we need you to be conscious so you can be as most helpful as possible to the people around you. To me, self-care and leadership is no, no different. It's, it's literally, in my book, it is a leadership skill to prioritize that self-care so we can show up beautifully for everyone around us. And I'm in full agreement that leaders have an, an awesome responsibility to be role models for other people. Because if our leaders are celebrating a debilitating workaholic culture, then they set the tone for others. And, and, and that's dangerous. So I, I'm so happy to see or hear you say that we've got to have positive role models in our leaders. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's funny because when I talk about leaders, I'm thinking every single human being, you know, people tend to go, well, I'm not a leader, so I'm not going to listen to this as much. And my invitation to any human being is if you want to have more impact in your life, I don't care if you're gardening, if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're the CEO of your company, if you would like to have more impact in your life and you would like to feel really good doing it, 
then you're a leader. So let's look at how we can help you optimize so you can show up as best possible and feel good doing it. Yeah, you're spot on. You know, leadership is a mindset. It's a set of behaviors. It's not a rank or a salary or a title. So well done you. Let's talk about burnout, though, because burnout is real. And even though we advocate now for people to be uh, focusing on self-care, there are times on the treadmill of life that we do get burned out because these are busy times or we're not as conscious about self-care. So you have some very intentional steps on resetting. Tell me more. Oh, absolutely. So, okay, well, there, there are several ways to reset and I go through them uh, in the book. There are things like looking at, you know, basic energy check and just being conscious of where your energy is at. So what I found in this work, Caroline, is that about 70% is in awareness So the moment I start to notice that my energy is dipping, and I'm talking about physical energy, mental and emotional energy, and vibrational energy, the moment I start to notice that that energy is dripping, I'm now at a place of awareness, which means I'm now at a place of choice to look at what's the next best thing I can do to take care of myself. And the other piece of this is if I look at burnout, you know, there's so much, right. You know, there's, there's so much about burnout right now, and it's a major thing in our world. And what I notice about it is that a lot of times burnout comes from working too much, you know, burning the candle at both ends. Absolutely. Overdoing it, not taking care of ourselves. However, I also notice that burnout even more often comes from a lack of connection to purpose, a lack of connection to people, a lack of connection to presence, being present in the moment. My brain is going so fast all the time. I never give myself a moment to just breathe. And then the fourth piece is a lack of connection to pleasure or to pain. And I'm happy to talk more about those, but if you look at it and you're feeling like your energy is dropping, you're starting to feel like you're moving into burnout, the invitation is look at your energy and get that, you know, get that awareness so you can decide what you need intuitively next to do to take care of yourself. And then the second step is to really look at, all right, where have I disconnected from one of those five things and how how might that be impacting my energy and my presence and how I feel about my life? You know, it's interesting because you you really made me picture so many of the folks that I work with who become numb or anesthetized and they don't feel the joy or the pain because they're so stressed and they're burned out and overworked, right? They become uh, really numb to, to all of their surroundings. So that's such an important warning. Thank you for that. And this is this is a topic I'm really passionate about because I'll also, I mean, I'm sure you know people like this, Caroline. I know people who work nine to five, you know, they work out every day, they see their families every night, they don't travel and they're totally burnt out. And then I know people who work, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. They're going nonstop. People can't figure out how they do it. However, they're not burnt out. They're totally energized. And if you look at those two people, in my experience, the difference is the people who are moving and doing all that extra stuff that quote unquote should be burnt out by culture's terms. Those people are more connected to purpose and why they're doing this work. They're really good at rebooting and resetting and get, you know, doing the presence reboot throughout their day so that they're taking really good care of themselves throughout it. So they're building up more stamina and more connection to people and presence. And then therefore it's more sustainable. So it's just an interesting place to look. It certainly is. Anise, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. 
We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. And these, the, the term work-life balance just sends up so many red flags. I've heard work-life harmony, work-life integration. But at the end of the day, I do think it, it is something that we need to really define for ourselves. Just like you were saying before the break, everybody's picture of meaning and balance looks different, and that's okay. So give us a glimpse into work-life balance. What works for you, and how did you find it? Oh, okay. Uh, so, so my work-life balance, I... Let's see. I have found that my relationship with that is, I remember when I first learned about work-life balance many, many years ago, the term alone totally stressed me out because what I found was I was thinking I was, I was putting my life in the container of all the cultural norms of like, well, I should work 40 hours a week and then I should have this and I should have this. And I found it actually more stressful to try and create work-life balance than to just be present to my life and being present to everything that I'm doing in my life. And making sure that the things that I say yes to are things that have the most meaning and purpose for me. And so this has been an evolution, obviously, of my entire uh, uh, growth <laughs> since I was right out of school when I started to learn about the work-life balance thing. But what I find for myself now is my work-life balance today is such that I'm incredibly intentional about how I spend my time. I don't say yes to things that suck the life out of me. Um, I'm really good at holding boundaries around you know, uh, again, what I'll say yes and no to, who I'll hang out with, um, you know, how I take care of myself, the food that I put in my body, you know, my exercise. When I travel, I've got very clear criteria around, well, I'm not going to start meetings until this time so I can make sure I get my self-care in in the morning. You know, so that kind of design, you know, it's more, I, I guess, I guess, Caroline, I could say that my work-life balance is more about intentionally designing my life so that I can show up and be fully present for everything. So whether that's being with my children, uh, running the business, writing the books, hanging out with my rescue dog, you know, being with my friends, being in my relationships, how do I set myself up intentionally so that I've created the container that I can be so present that work-life balance actually isn't even a, isn't even a thought that occurs to me anymore. It's just being fully present in this one life. I love it. So balance is not a sometime thing. It's an always thing because you've designed it. It, it. it is. It is. And and I will also say that there are definitely those weeks, you know, we're, we're moving into we've got graduations coming up and birthdays and all these things happening. And there are always those weeks where all of a sudden it seems like 8000 things are coming at you. And I'll, I'll use myself coming at me. And in that moment, I might feel really overwhelmed and out of whack. So it becomes my job then as leader to go, whoa, overwhelmed, out of whack, take a deep breath and ease, reboot. What is the little thing I can do right now to create the feeling of peace in my life? Because if I can do a quick reboot and create the feeling of peace and pleasure in the moment, what I find for myself and for most people that do this work is the minute I've created that space, I now have access to more wisdom to help me figure out what I'm going to do next to quote unquote, create more of that balance. 
So I become more at choice versus being victim to all the stuff coming at me. And, and thank you for your honesty and your vulnerability because life does happen, right? And we've got to zig and zag and, and be nimble and, and pivot and redesign through those, those tricky times. Oh, for sure. Life, life, life is tough sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause when I do this work, Caroline, a lot of people will say, Oh gosh, does this mean I have to be up all the time? Does this mean I have to be happy? And I always have to be right on and da-da. no, not at all. This is, you get to be totally real. And as a leader in your life, you also get to be response able, not responsible, but response able, being able to respond to what's coming at you so that you can lead as effectively as possible. But it is not at all not being vulnerable or authentic or having a hard time or ha- hard, having a hard day. It's, it's allowing all of it and knowing how to navigate it more gracefully. Beautifully put. So let's go back to company culture for a bit. And there is a common misperception that the culture of an organization is created by the leadership. And you challenge that and say that all of us, no matter where we live in the hierarchy of an organization, can change the culture. So walk us through what that baby step might look like, because I'm pretty confident that somebody out there listening to this is saying, all right, how do I impact change? Guaranteed. Great. So so yes, that is is one of the biggest myths I come across is that uh, the C-suite, the organization, the you know, the company is creating the culture, the boss is creating the culture. And while all of those people have tremendous influence on the culture, for sure, what I have found in my work and working with companies for the last 20 plus years is that we each create the culture. So we emanate the culture we want to be a part of or not by how we show up. So for example, the most common, um, the most common way of, or the, the easiest way to look at this is If I'm in my culture right now and I don't like it, if I can get really present and be very honest with myself and just ask myself, how might I be contributing to the culture that I don't like? If I can give myself that moment of truth, I don't have to tell anybody, it can be just between me, myself and I. If I can give myself that moment of truth, how might I be contributing to this this culture? There is likely something that I am doing that is feeding that culture. So for example, if I walk into work every day and I am complaining in my head about the culture, or I gossip with my friends at work about the culture, or I talk about how terrible the management is, or I go home at night and I bring all that negative energy to my kids and my family and I dump it at the dinner table, there is a way that I am creating a culture of complaining if even just energetically. And so instead there's an invitation for me to look at, all right, What's the littlest thing I could do to actually start creating a more healthy, healthy, contagious culture? And it could be as simple as when I want to complain, instead of complaining, I find a request or suggestion to make something better. When my colleagues come to me and they want to collude about how terrible the culture is or how terrible X, Y, and Z is, I might at that moment say, oh, that's interesting. You know, let's talk about that. Do We know that to be true. Is it gossip? Have you made a request? Like, what can we do to help things go better? Because what I find, Caroline, is the minute that I'm aware that I'm actually in some way, shape or form contributing to creating my experience, I'm now at choice to start to shift it. Beautifully put. I just, I love that. It is awesome in the true, true sense of the word. You know, you speak in your books too about ability. And I love that term because it's not just a one size fits all approach, but nimble and adaptive. And you talked about being a creation, creative solution provider. 
all of this is part of uh, creating a contagious culture. So what's next for you, Anise? There's so many exciting things. Well, I know you've got a, a new book coming out in a few weeks. I'm going to tell everybody about that and then hear from you. It's called Contagious You. Unlock your power to influence, lead, and create the impact you want. How exciting. Uh, yes, thank you. I am I am very, very excited about this book. This, this book will support and be BFFs with contagious culture. So a lot of the questions that have come up in contagious culture since and I'm addressing and really diving into and contagious you to help people in, increase their impact even more personally. Anise, thank you so much for joining me on your working life today. I am so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you about creating organizations that thrive. And the book we talked about most today is called Contagious Culture, Show Up, set the tone, and intentionally create an organization that thrives. But I also want to whet the appetite of our listeners because you have a new book coming out very soon, and you called it the BFF of the Contagious Culture book, and that is Contagious You. Unlock your power to influence, lead, and create the impact that you want. And both of these books will be available on Amazon and at major book retailers. Anise, thank you for sharing your time with me today. Caroline, thank you so much for having me and for this conversation. Thank you. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review because that helps people find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for us to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I want to give a shout out to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.